called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle Cast, welcome back to the Bizzle Cast. Here for another episode of the Awkward Controllers video game talk with my guy. Ethan, aka L underscore Fedorable. Um, it's been a little while. I was at Star Wars Celebration. We took a break. Ethan's been busy. We finally were able to fit one in. We do have some big pieces of news, including the PS5 uh, reveal or partial reveal uh, that we're going to talk about extensively. What's true? What's not true? What did we call? What were we wrong about? What do we still don't know? Etc. Some game stuff. Days gone. Some Switch stuff. Um, all over the place. Um, uh, but first of all, uh, Ethan, um, great to have you back. And um, we're both praying that my computer does not crash here as it has done in the last couple of days. But I think we're going to be good. So, um, guys, thank you so much for everyone for uh, downloading and listening to my Star Wars Celebration uh, recap podcast. It was amazing. I did a great um, uh, recaps with Simi Klimo, um, who wasn't there, but who's my senior Star Wars guy, um, and uh, Jedi Geek Girl, who was there, and we hung out, and she introduced me to a lot of people. It was super fun. It was way better than I thought any like Comic-Con thing could be. Ethan, I don't think I could ever go to a Comic-Con after something like Star Wars Celebration, because it's just like such a specific crowd who we all love the same thing as opposed to like you know like a bazillion properties at, at, at this point with comic-con would just overwhelm me this was like way more centralized you know and um and it was such a positive atmosphere you guys can listen to those podcasts I, uh, you know as i've been saying since the problem post last jedi the fans would come together and the idiot haters out there appear to be the minority and based on the reception that all all the people got um all the actors and directors and and so forth got um across the board at, at the convention at celebration and just people's overall attitude was super positive enthusiastic upbeat and great i think it's true that the, the haters are just loud ethan as we've talked about in every facet they're yep. very loud but they are the minority um and mm-hmm. so i don't want to recap that again here because you guys can listen to the podcast but i thought we would start ethan very quickly with the video game part of it which i haven't talked about on any of my recap podcasts which is Jedi Fallen Order. Now, I immediately, of course, like all uh, EA um, titles, uh, dismiss this. Um, but the fact that not only was Star Wars promoting the, it, just its existence and its partial reveal um, and the panel for it way more than it had for Battlefront 2, for example, or other games in the past, um, but it was so featured um, on various stages and exhibition parts of the hall and i will say Ethan, mm-hmm. this was part of me not doing my research about respawn being involved but more so than respawn being involved them it, let's put it this way after our long ea talks none no, no one knows including you and i know what the breakdown is between how much control someone um, has over a thing like this between ea and respawn but they are certainly letting respawn be the the voice of everything it was all respawn people there they were saying both live at the exhibition and via twitter and social media constantly specifically no loot boxes no multiplayer single player game set between three and four after order 66 you're playing a young jedi who happens to get away so it's going to be that uncharted-esque mass effect-esque game that we've all been wanting they're they're very serious about getting it out before the new movie and Ethan this isn't a spoiler I don't know if you've seen the episode 9 trailer but everyone knows at this point that Palpatine is coming back and so if Palpatine's coming back in the ninth and final movie to be the ultimate big bad guy that we all love him to be which I didn't see coming I'm, I'm okay with um, I, that was one prediction I did not make 
than the events of post episode three into episode four having to do with Vader, you know, getting becoming Vader. You know, he's a broke, he's broken, he's damaged. He doesn't have a lightsaber after episode three. There's a lot in the comics they've been doing. And so like a Battlefront 2, man, I hate to say the Battlefront 2 campaign had tons of clues that Palpatine was coming back. Um, looking on it just as sheer lore. Um, I don't know if this game's going to be good, but the lore of this game is certainly going to be very, it's, you know, the story group of, of, of Lucasfilm has been very open about their involvement in this particular story and how it'll reverberate both with previous things like the Clone Wars and, um, and, and, you know, and Rogue One and so forth, but also to the new movie where we know Palpatine is some version of Ian McDermott voicing some version of Palpatine is going to happen. I don't really have a specific question for you after we ripped EA, me more than you over the last few podcasts, but I guess if I would say if any of the studios have a chance to make this right, or at least make it an okay game that Star Wars that will feel comfortable putting out money for to play a decent single-player Star Wars game, and they're openly saying things like no loot boxes, no bullshit, coming from the respawn side, that's, to me, as about as good as I could hope. So my question to you is, any response to that? Did you watch any of the panel? Did you see any of the trailer? What, what, what are your thoughts at this point? Yeah, I mean, I watched the trailer. Uh, very excited. Hope it's cool. I mean, it, it. we've discussed many times about Star Wars, like, I can't give a clear opinion on whether 7, 8, and 9 are good until all three are out, since they are an encapsulated story. Just like I couldn't, like, I, I wouldn't comment on whether, uh, I couldn't comment on just 4 on its own was a good movie without seeing 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the storyline to end so I can finally, like... Mm-hmm watch the movies and like critique them and say yeah like this was good or bad as far as uh the the storyline and the movies are concerned um Wait, can, can, but, let me just respond to that and i want you to talk about respawn and, sure. and, and or the game which is i knew a ton of people going into that first day episode nine panel with the whole cast and then the trailer where there's tons of surprises palpatine being just one of them me, I was in the vast minority of being like, I love J.J. Abrams. I love his science fiction movies. I love Force Awakens. I think he's going to nail this. But there were plenty of people there who either A, liked Force Awakens and Rogue One, but really were not into Last Jedi and or Solo and were sort of falling off the train and, and thinking cynically about this at the same time there are also a lot of younger people in particular female younger people but younger people in general who love the direction of the last jedi and were worried that jj abrams was going to move it away from the things they loved and i can tell you definitively that the feeling that lasted throughout the, the weekend following that panel and specifically the trailer and talking about the trailer was one of pure euphoria and excitement across the board and that's why palpatine's so brilliant because whether you're a prequel person or an original trilogy person you love palpatine as the big evil bad guy for some similar reasons and some different reasons so if you had told me six months ago palpatine was going to be a big part of the final movie i would have been like eh, that seems like a little too fan servicey but i think they're going to do something non-traditional with it and it is the one thing that does unite old school fans and new school fans and every even the most cynical uh, you know uh lover uh, lovers of the last jedi who haven't loved a lot of the other movies are pumped about the final one so i can tell you among the star wars fan base across the board people are excited but that to go to the video game does not guarantee that what looks like a very cool video game so far is going to be great. But you said you like the trailer and you like Respawn. I mean, they're killing it with Apex Legends, you know? And um, what, what are some other Respawn titles in the past that I'm not thinking of? Uh, so uh, they did Titanfall. They did Titanfall, which was their major debut as a studio, I think. Um, 
I don't remember if they did something before that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I do know is is that uh, coming out of like the end of the major era for Infinity Ward when it made its debut with Modern Warfare Four and whatnot, some of the original people, some of the original devs from that studio left, mm-hmm. and they they founded Respawn, and so there's that there's that awesome gameplay design from some of the original minds at Infinity Ward in Respawn. And so when they made Titanfall and then they used the Titanfall engine and uh, gameplay mechanics and put it into Apex, like they, they, it, it's incredible to me how much Respawn has done since Titanfall 2. Because if you think about it, Jedi Fallen Order must have been in pre-production and Apex Legends just must have been something they came up with to put out in the meantime. And they made they they made a game that 25 million people signed up to play in its first week um, without any marketing, without any notice, without anybody expecting it to do well. They, they, they made a game that did that. So, I mean, I expect... I expect Jedi Fallen Order to, since it has marketing, since it has uh, energy clearly put behind it for from several years worth of work. I expect Jedi Fallen Order to do to to be really really good because the expectations are high now that they have put out Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can I can, so can I, the, 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 uh, yeah go ahead. Go I'm ahead. just going to build support and build on everything you said, um, which was a. Titanfall, Titanfall 2, loved by a lot of people. Titanfall 2, despite... So, you know, people... Unlike Mass Effect Andromeda, which you can only partially blame its commercial lack of success on being released when all the other great 2017 games were released because there were so many problems with it. Especially after the Schreier article, too. So, yeah, man. So, you know, I've played some of Titanfall 2. It's certainly a, a really cool, innovative game. It was smooth. It was different. It was de- in hindsight, it, you know, it's really a shame that Battlefield and Call of Duty, although predictably outsold it a ton, I, you know, at this point, when you combine the, the love that a lot of people have for Titanfall games with the the huge success that Apex is, Respawn is, is kind of the perfect, uh, let's put it this way, of any of the EA studios I'm aware of, Respawn seems to be the one that I can have the most faith in if I have faith in any of them, even though Jedi Fallen Order is going to be a slightly different type game than Titanfall. Um, uh, and I don't know what engine they're using, um, but their record is, is pretty solid so far, right? W- would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, like, I I currently have the most faith of them as any of the EA studios, but that's only, that only goes as far as what we've seen EA do with this cycle of... In- Getting these studios in, mm-hmm. uh, fucking, what's that word when you, uh, draining, uh, draining a towel when you when you twist it and it gets all the water out, wring it out, wring it out, yeah, they they, they wring all the life out of a studio yep. and then they become Bioware, mm-hmm. so like and then, and then they shut them down, so like, mm-hmm. so hopefully hopefully mm-hmm. respawn hopefully respawn doesn't that doesn't happen to respawn but mm-hmm. it. We we've seen it happen so many times now with these EA studios that I just I, who how long will respawn stay respawn is the question right just like how long will Bioware stay Bioware until they put out Anthem and it is shit and yay so right. like like 
who knows? But I'm super excited. Yeah. I mean, I can just talk Respawn, about Respawn's never done a third person single player, solely single player game to, ever before. Yeah. So I trust these guys to do make a video game. Mm-hmm. Whether this it's going to be a good video game, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And whether and what does EA really mean by no loot boxes and no microtransactions and we're not going to add them later? I just don't believe it yet. I, well, I just don't. Well, that would be the end for everyone, including Disney's. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I said there was no way Bob I- Iger hasn't numerous times reamed out EA. And the fact I can look, dude, I can only talk about the optics. As I've said, I don't even need a great another Star Wars game. I just don't want it to suck if it's going to happen. But I will say. Again, me, I'm one that looks at the optics. It was only Respawn people there. They've been delivering almost all the news about the game via Respawn. They've been allowed to say from the highest sources over and over again, no loot boxes, no microtransactions, single player only, long campaign from, you know, from the top people at Respawn. They're doing it all through Respawn. Like EA is almost seeming to distance themselves smartly in this case. It doesn't mean it's going to be a good game. It doesn't mean they're not lying, but the optics are as good as I could hope for and, and a company that has a pretty good record within EA so far. So that that's what I got for that. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's just it's just a lot of crowd pleasing right now. And I, I for anybody who is just like with Battlefront two, I said it before it came out. If you're a Star Wars fan and you are interested in getting Star Wars products, please fucking wait until it's out. <laughs> please wait until it's out and you know that it's good. You just can't. Yeah, I mean it, they're already offering you know the super gold mega edition of it. So it's what, but, but listen, but that, that's the industry in general. I, I can't really flack them on following industry trends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like here's the thing, just like with Anthem, just like with Battlefront Two, I did not buy the game at launch because I was concerned that the game was not going to be what it was promising to be, right? With Battlefront 2, it was just the case of I'm playing other, multi-game, only, other multiplayer games right now, so I don't need to buy this. But it was a smart decision because, you know, Battlefront 2 ended up being Battlefront 2. Uh, which now, after they've taught a ton of community updates into and put things that the uh, community who plays Battlefront 2 wants into the game, it's supposedly a very good game now. Right? So, like, it, it, it's just just... Don't pre-order this game. I mean, it, Battlefront, 2, Battlefront 2, they Don't got rid of it. a lot of the horribleness, and there's tons of great content they keep releasing. It's just a terrible right. shooter, especially after playing Destiny or even going back to Call of Duty Remastered, but especially Destiny, I can't even play five minutes of it now. I I, I keep forgetting you can play in third-person mode in, Battlefield, in Battlefront 2, so maybe I'll try that because the content is great. It doesn't look, though... Remember when Battlefront 2 came out two years ago, we, we at least oohed and at how it looks. It's amazing how dated things can look from two years ago. Um, it doesn't hold up. Again, though, me watching Destiny has ruined, has ruined it for me, but... Yeah. It, that certainly the fact that you know that took positive steps and then getting rid of the major loot box problems and you can play all the characters blah 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 and the fact that it's respawn which is a brand new studio and again the optics of having respawn be the face of it rather than ea slash respawn even though that's what's essentially going on look dude if, if if you gave bioware and i eventually came to your side a little bit that bioware needs to take as much responsibility as ea even though the buck stops with ea with bioware stuff nevertheless we have to give the positive chance to respawn spawn to be its own studio within electronic arts and maybe electronic arts is giving them some more free reign but it'll work out better because they've got a better let's put it this way over the last five years 
just quality of gameplay wise, it's clear that Respawn has a better record than Bioware. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. Not even that. How about shipping a mostly complete, if not complete, game? <laughs> like, it, like let's let's just take let's just take the game design argument out of it entirely. Because Anthem's fun to play. There's just nothing to do, right? Like, let's talk about shipping a complete video game. Like, Respawn has shipped a complete video game, arguably every single time of its four slash five, if you count the mobile game releases, right? Bioware in the last two games has not shipped a complete game, yep. and Dragon Age Inquisition, while it was complete, now that we know about the Schreier article, like, there was magic involved with that game. So there's no way it wasn't going to be shipped complete, right? So, you know. No, that's a great point about their consistency. (laughs) And again, they wouldn't have had a major panel in a huge EA area on Disney promoting it before, during, and after the way they've never done since Disney took over if they didn't feel like this game was shipping well on time before in October and November before episode nine. Because again, even though this takes place after episode three, it reverberates everything having to do with the Jedi and the Sith and post order 66 and Palpatine and Vader, et cetera. It's going to reverberate with the new movie. And they've been pretty open about that. That's the case. They're not giving any spoilers away. And so this would be a major fail because it's, this is lore. I mean, battlefront two is lore, but that's a very short campaign. This is going to be the biggest bit of video game lore we get. That's part of the official canon. Um, and it's pretty bad lore. Well, that's not really. The first few missions of Battlefront 2 having to do with Palpatine's Project Cinder, where he wanted to destroy the Empire, as well as the Rebels, to form a new order that was going to be better than the First Order. It didn't work out. He was going to blow up the battle. Uh, he, it was gonna, the final battle ended up being the Battle of Jakku, which, by the way, is where Rey is from. So I think we're going to find out some manipulation of Rey's birth or childhood from Palpatine. It's all coming together. Battlefront listen, 2 listen, was... Listen. Oh, wait, let me just finish real quick. Battlefront hey, ahead, 2, from a playing standpoint... I never finished. I watched Jesse Cox and his idiot friend, hilarious friends play it, and, and it was, that was really fun. But the lore in the first few missions, especially with Luke Skywalker discovering one of the uh, hidden observatories slash Sith artifact um, things that Palpatine had been stashing for many, many decades, if not longer, really created a lot of coolness in the imagination, and they followed it up with some comic books to really hammer home that that was lore. And the fact that the character stuff and the missions and the gameplay never lived up doesn't override the fact that there was some great lore that's coming together now and so whether the new game is directly influencing the movies or not it still is going to be lore and i know that the the story group is extremely involved i mean they probably wrote the draft of how this was going to go and gave it to respawn and say you can make some changes and just make it an awesome game but you have to do a b c d e and f g and and i can tell you for sure that happened with the story so let, let, me, let me clarify let me clarify the universe lore is good. The story lore is bad. <laughs> Let's just listen, okay? Destiny Destiny has god tier universe lore. Okay? It has a pretty passable story lore. Like it's just not when when, when you read the book when, when you read the lore like it's the Cimmerillion, it's very good. When you actually engage in the events of what's going on in the story, it's pretty just eh. I mean, if all the Battlefront missions had been as good and cool and interesting lore-wise as the first two or three, it would be better and more interesting than most of the books they've put out, honestly. But yeah. it wasn't. It that, just didn't, was, so, wasn't able and, to... And yeah. that's what I'm looking for Jedi Fallen Order to be. If, if, it's, if, if it's that or a little lower quality, 
but it's the entire campaign, I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. And then I will, game I, I, yeah. Listen, listen, if it gets a 90 on Metacritic the day after it comes out, I will buy it. Sure. Right? Like, but I, I just don't I just don't see that happening. Sure. I just don't. Um, not, yep. not just just because it's EA. Just because it's EA. Yep. So we'll yep. see. So I'll tell you my best case scenario, just talking about the gameplay, and then we'll, we have to move on to PS5, Last of Us, and you have other topics as well, um, which is um, that it has to be at least as good as the first Tomb Raider reboot from 2014, 2015, um, gameplay-wise, which was still very rough, but was good. it doesn't have to be Horizon. It doesn't have to be fill-in-the-blank, you know, God of War, new God of War, Third, but it has to be at least as good as the sort of above average, basically all of the new Tomb Raider games, you know, it has to be as good, almost as good as them from a third person player perspective for me. How about, how, how about I have to be a Jedi and it has to be on Rogue one level story and that we're good. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's in the same time period a little before that. So that's what we're yeah, all it's hoping before for. It. Actually, well, it's way before it. No, it's way before it. Well, we don't know because, like in Star Wars Rebels, Kanan, the character of Kanan, voiced by Freddie Prince Jr., is a similar character who was mid-training. His master saved him at the cost of her life. He went into hiding, but we pick up with him when he's already like in his thirties or forties, a few years before Rogue One, as a not fully trained Jedi, but still very powerful. Um, and but this, they got a really young kid for it, and so I, yeah, I think it's going to be, it's going to be like more than a year or two after order 66 but not like 2 years before the original trilogy. It's going to be somewhere in in that middle yeah. which is what isn't it want. implied isn't it implied that it's like a 20 year passing between 3 and 4? Well, if Luke Skywalker like is 18, if Luke Skywalker is 18 in the original movie then it's 18 years. Whatever Luke's age is in the so, original. So so 18 so 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 it's an, so it's it's a, it's a two decade passing. Yeah. And this is going to take place simultaneously to the solo movie, I believe, which is about halfway in between. That that sounds about right. Yeah, that that, that feels about right. To and me. the only reason that's important is because spoiler alert, guys. If you haven't seen Solo, then you're never going to see it. Darth Maul running the underworld around this time. I don't think we're going to like run into Han Solo in this that game. That line alone Darth makes Maul, me want to see the movie. Yeah, Darth Maul um, is. Uh, Why think, didn't they lead with that? That would have been. That would have made me see the movie. That right there would have made me see the movie. Why yeah. didn't they? Treat I don't want to. Oh my god! I, I don't want to dwell on this, Ethan, but I 100% agree with you in the sense of normally I'm for like with the Avengers, you know, they're not showing us a ton of the film. I don't think JJ with Episode Nine is going to show us too much. I think they're starting to learn. Fans are getting annoyed with seeing the whole movie, but at the same time, when it's a movie that people are not super excited about, sometimes you have to show more than you want. So yeah, teasing even if not showing Darth Maul, teasing him from the back and showing a bit much of the Kessel Run from the end might have gotten people more excited. But they were like, they you know, Star Wars being Star Wars overestimated the amount of excitement at that point for Solo. Now they have a ton of people have seen it post market, but I agree with you. I don't know. I mean, the whole point of the Darth Maul reveal was to reward the people who saw it, but there would have there could have been a middle ground where they could have teased it and some of the other stuff later in the movie, right, without having to ruin everything. I agree with you. I'm, I'm mad about it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm mad about it. It's a, good, it's a great movie, guys. If, if you like good Star Wars adventure and you like, you know, characters from Star Wars, then it I'm goes to I'm going to want to watch it before 9. 
Oh, it's definitely worth seeing. It's super fun. It looks gorgeous. Um, so, yeah, what's worth seeing, just for the new characters, Paul Bettany is the bad guy's awesome. Amelia Clark as his girlfriend from childhood, who's now not so good, but he's still obsessed with, is awesome. Khaleesi herself. Um, it, Donald Glover as Lando is great. Now we got Lando in, back in the Falcon in the new movie, baby. Oh, yeah, and the trailer is great. He was at the panel. He was loving it. Billy D. Williams, 80-something years old, still killing it. So, all right, dude, enough Star Wars. Let's move in to... Um, PS5. Do you mind if I bridge with The Last of Us really quickly? Because I only have two things to say about it, and then since it's a PlayStation thing, we can... Yeah, I'll, 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 just, I'll just quickly build off you with, off that. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, I told... Uh, let's let's put it this way. So, I, I sent you a, 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 um, a the official Twitter posting from Neil Druckmann of Esty Johnson and um, Troy Baker on the, rapping on the final day of shooting. The day before he posted that, was when I was bitching to you about how I was getting nervous at Uncharted, or that this was an Uncharted 4 situation. It was out of control. They were going to have, we were going to be finding out stuff about Naughty Dog that wasn't so good, that they were way behind. And then there was all these leaks about the PS5 launch titles, and they were saying Last of Us 2 was going to be one of them. And I was like, oh man, they're going to push everything back. And then literally the next day, they're like, we wrapped. And you know what? In most animated series, and maybe in a lot of video games, the voice stuff comes first. And so you'd think there's no way they could turn this around by the late September date we're hearing. But because that they're building on previous Uncharted and Last of Us software, um, and they knew that the that we're going to go way over on the, the shooting part, I think they've been working on the engine stuff all along, and they've been rendering in stuff. Again, the crunch for this that comes out, dude, people are going to be totally exhausted. But I do think this late September, early October day is feasible for Last of Us 2 at this point, if indeed they have been rendering and creating all the environments and even rendering like um, character stuff as they get dialogue in, everybody working at once. Because I think, as I told you, in order to maintain... You know, people are going to get a PS5, especially with backwards compatibility. We're going to talk about, but as I told you, I thought they needed at least one, if not two, big time for, uh, uh, PS4 for exclusive titles, game of the year contender types this year uh, to keep the momentum of people excited about PS4 and wanting a PS5. And if this is the one, then I'm, I'm thrilled about it. So uh, th- that's been announced in the last week or so. I'm optimistic that they will that we will reach the fall date, and we'll, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, I mean, so just 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 with just building off the exclusivity with because Last of Us Two is exclusive. Um, I fully expect every exclusive that we've heard about till now. So that would be Last of Us, Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, uh, Days Gone just came out. Um, uh, there was another one in there. I forget what it was called. Um, but I expect all of them to be out before the PS5 launch. The reason for that is, is because we now know that with the details from the PS5 um, article that PS5 will have backwards compatibility with PS4. So I fully expect that they're going to want to release all these games, get these devs off of the PS4 dev Mm -hmm. cycle, and then put them as soon as possible so that they can then get on the PS5 dev cycle. Mm -hmm. So uh, I fully expect all of the PS4 exclusives that we know about as of now to be out for PS4 before the PS5 launch, either this September mm-hmm. uh, Christmas season or early mm-hmm. uh, a- end of quarter four next year. And so, and for those who don't know quarter four in the game world is actually Christmas till March mm-hmm. uh, or late February. So 
So it. Um, I have some quick questions to follow up. If mm-hmm. That's okay. Um, would you agree though that of the major titles you've mentioned and some that y- y- we've talked about that are in this category, it seems like the one that could end up getting pushed back just because of the creator and the scope would be Kojima with Death Stranding, just for purely time technical reasons. They just couldn't get it done or pushed could- back. But I don't believe it'll be a PS5 game. You think, It'll be a PS4. Now you you thought what they would do in this with uh, backward compatibility. It, it sounds like they'll be able to do with a game like Death Stranding, which is have an upscaled version for the PS5 built into the PS4, right? So they can get it out ahead so, of time. And this is actually one of my questions for the PS4. This is something I want clarification on for Sony to clarify. So they say they it has back, PS4 backwards compatibility. So ideally, that would mean that. I would be able to take advantage of all of the PS4 Pro's upscaled textures and whatnot that several games have on uh, for for the PS4 PS4 Pro specifically, rather than just the base PS4. But they don't clarify that anywhere. So what I want to know is, can I just buy a PS5 and I effectively have a PS4 Pro as well, or do I have a PS5 and a PS4 but not a PS4 Pro? That's something I would want Sony to clarify. Mm-hmm. Um, but what? Uh, getting to what you're saying, they're going to release all of these games as PS4 games, whether or not the PS5 is out, because the PS5 will be able to play them since it has backwards compatibility. Mm-hmm. That that that's the idea here, and so what that will give, rather than forcing these developers to make a PS5 specific version of the game. I imagine if any of the studios is going to have a remaster, it'll be the Last of Us one. Because if you remember, Last of Us came out on PS3, and then they immediately turned around and made a Last of Us PS4 edition. So if any of them are going to have a PS5 edition, it'll be Last of Us 2. Yep. Well, here's the thing. Not sure about the rest of them. Well, I'm, I'm hearing Ghost of Tsushima remaster as well as last of us 2 remaster so they're already planning a remaster for last of us 2 which hasn't even come out so the question is do you char- did they charge people twice can they get away with that that would be insane right that would be insane and my if it was if, if we were talking about something like uh, if this if any of these games were on steam steam would just turn around and give people the the game uh the the, the remastered game but if I fully expect that mm-hmm. if they remaster them, depending – so here, here's part of it. Depending on the game, they could just make upscale textures mm-hmm. for the PS5 and just have you apply the PS5 textures if it was, if the PS4 disc was in a PS5. Yeah. That's how that would work if it was free. If they were going to charge you for it, it would come out a year later after the initial launch for the PS5 or – more or whatever uh if the engine was more difficult to work with mm-hmm. and they would sell it as a new game mm-hmm. there's there, if they have to if they have to spend time with the engine to remaster the game they'll resell you the game there's no way that Sony is just going to hand out freebies if they have to spend money on well, it well except the, the following which is they've gone ahead and had one of their own 
at the top announce all these things way ahead and in more detail than people were expecting. And if again, if all the pre-production and production development that's been going with Last of Us 2 is happening and they supposedly it's going to support up to 8K on the new system, we'll see. I'll believe it when I see it. We got to get into that. Okay, but my my point is going to be if they release it this fall, Last of Us 2, it would be great for them to either through official channels with the game itself or unofficial channels to, to fans be like, we are already... So, do you, you know, like, for example, like the episode nine shoot ended a month or two ago, but now they're going to be working on special effects up until it releases in Christmas. The Russo brothers who did Avengers said they were working on special effects up until at least like three weeks ago, essentially. So... What I'm saying is they'll then have a year between Last of Us 2 release and approximately when we think PS5 will be released, six months to a year, let's say, to to then do the full upscale. Now, maybe you can charge 10 or 20 bucks, but to charge a full 60 a year later with backwards compatibility, I don't think so, man. I think it's going to be the Steam thing because they're going to improve the PlayStation Plus store model. They have to. Um, and that would so, be such a great way, you know, because we know how many copies it's going to Last of Us 2 should sell. We know how much acclaim it'll probably get. And what, what a great way to help shepherd people into the PlayStation 5 to be like, hey, it's not just backwards compatible with this and Ghost of Tsushima and maybe one or two other titles. But you're going to get, you know, we're going to give you the new, like, updated version, like a giant, one of those 20 gigabyte Destiny upgrade file type thing. So here's the thing. So, so like I was saying, if it costs them money, if it's, it, it, it all depends on the engine. It all comes down to the engine they're making the game with. If the game, if they does, if the engine for the game was designed so that they could solely just put in upscaled textures mm-hmm. of everything that they put into the game. I fully imagine they'll just give everyone the textures for free. Just give them the up, upscaled version of the game, and it'll look better on the PS, PS5 than it would on the PS4 yep. with some resolution upgrades and, and whatnot. But they are admitting, by the way, unfortunately, I, would, I, just need to, I need to just to support what yeah. you're saying. You know, Ethan, as you and I have been sort of predicting, um, even though initially, you know, you were thinking they were going to introduce the PlayStation 5 sooner this is actually, although I was saying later, this is sooner than I thought. It depends when it is next year. But I think the thing we agreed upon was the PlayStation 5 was going to be the last version of this PlayStation architecture, which they've confirmed in this report. And I, I believe one of us at some point called this the PS4 Pro. Sorry, the PS4.5 Pro is essentially what the PS5 is going to be. And so if it's really the same guts in the deep architecture, even with a solid state drive and, and the graphics card and blow, eight, eight chip core and everything you're going to talk about in a second. But if, but if it is, as they say, essentially the same architecture in order to get backwards compatibility, which is brilliant, dude, because people are still going to have not like I haven't played God of War yet. I, I don't even own Spider-Man. Like there's tons of games from PS4 that if I can then get on PS5 and still play without the upscaling will be great. And then if you can upscale some of the ones still in development, like uh, like Last of Us and especially Death Stranding, what I'm saying is, you know, name of the game is the game. So if they can keep getting people in- interested in games, bring over their PlayStation 4 games or even start playing, you know, a bunch of PlayStation 4 games they haven't played yet on their PlayStation 5, um, then I, it, it seems like what you're describing about a texture, a giant 
texture update thing is very feasible. And again, I would never try and defend Sony in the sense of like they're not greedy. But again, there's being greedy and there's being smart greedy and there's being dumb greedy. I think smart greedy would be to have some of the main titles not charged twice in one year for the same game, I think would be insanely bad optics. Uh, But I I don't know. Um, So you can respond to that or get into the hardware, whatever you feel like. Quick, quick clarifying question. When you say architecture, what are you... What do you mean? Like the same? So, uh, so uh, clarify. Well, you you can explain this better than me, and maybe this is a good way to get into it. But like, there was a reason the PlayStation Three was so hard to develop for, and then that you couldn't play PlayStation Three games on PlayStation Four. So, what, what, whatever the the. With, I don't know if it's graphics rendering or other parts of the engine that making it sound like it's going to be easy peasy to play your PS4 games on the PlayStation 5. There was no chance based on the PlayStation, right? Because that was the problem with the PlayStation 3 was it was so different from the PS2. I, I, I understand what you're, I, I understand what you're yeah. asking. So, yeah. so, so they're admitting, just, let me, let me, let me, let me just frame it this way. They're admitting that this is not a revolutionary jump, like, right? They're already setting expectations. This is not going to, that's going to be better hardware specs, you know, but it's like, it, it's, it's not going to be a revolutionary, a, a, a jump. That's in, in not, things. that's not what they said at all. That's not what they said at all. No, they were, they were, dude, they were selling this thing to all high heaven as if this was going to be, this jump in technology was going to be the next step for gaming. Oh yeah. Oh no. They, they, they were super upselling this thing. I don't know what you read, but I read something totally different. I'm just saying in the interview with the guy whose name I'm, I'm blanking right now, he mentions that the the reason that they're going to be able to have PS4 games work so easily on the PS5 is that some of that architecture is m- making the jump, even while they're changing and upgrading a lot of stuff. So the way the way emulation works, uh, and so they'll do this the exact same way that Xbox did with the 360 backwards compa- and the Xbox backwards compatibility is the system just runs a minor OS of the PS4, mm-hmm. but solely for playing the game. And so you just boot the game, and it's running a tiny Xbox 360 or tiny PS4 version of the OS so it can play the game. That's all it does. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that – backwards compatibility is not hard. It's just they – the way – it's a lot of work to implement, not to implement the emulator, but to emulate it for every single game because the way – so for P- the PS3 and PS4 era, it would have taken a lot of time and effort to, de- to uh, develop it for the PS4 because uh, so many games did not have digital foundries um, for their games back in the PS3, Xbox 360 era. So Microsoft, because they had no games for their system, they could, they could spend an arm and a leg developing that for their system. But since PS4 was putting out so many good games, they they weren't interested in doing that. Mm. Um, but now that but the PS4 to the PS5 slash the Xbox One to Xbox whatever era is a lot easier to develop because all of their games are already digitized. They could just pull those games from the cloud, and they're they're set. They're ready to go. Mm-hmm. It so the backwards compatibility thing, like. That's not hard. That that's not hard to implement for this generation. It was pretty much an expected coming for me and you, um, and so what? The entire thing throughout that article 
they they spent the whole article upselling the effort and the energy they had to spend and the money they're going to spend on this console. And a lot of it is true, and a lot of it is just talk. Um, so th- that's my piece on the backwards compatibility. Do you need me to clarify anything in that? Or No, no, no. I- I'm just saying they could have not done backwards compatibility, and they are doing it, so there must be some thing, something carrying over that's allowing them to do it fairly easily and for them to announce it this this way so officially um, that, that it's for sure going to be a thing. And with a real disc, I don't want to get into a debate about this. I did call this. You said no disc. I said there'd be a disc. There is a disc. I, I think it's... A, yeah, there is a disc. I think it's way less expensive than maybe some people think to put one on. I, I and For sure, whatever is after the PS5 will not have a disc. That's another t- podcast is us talking about what we've been saying for a while, which is the next jump of this and Xbox will have to be a much bigger jump than we're going to get here. Also, we'll tease, if we have time in this podcast, that it already looks like Xbox will have superior hardware, but that's always been the case and hasn't resulted in more sales for the Xbox necessarily. So let's not go into that for now. Um, why don't we jump into... Um, um, oh, really quickly, dude. I don't I haven't read anything about Days Gone. My instinct is that it's not good, but I've literally read nothing. And then we'll talk about PS5 hardware. I'm gonna let you talk mostly on that. Go ahead. What do you? Uh, about I mean, I, I haven't I, have, I haven't read enough reviews to fully talk about Days Gone. But the initial the initial talk is it's fun. Uh, if you spend sixty dollars on it, that's your call, not mine. Like it it see it, 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 it seems like the talk is this is a video game. If you like this type of video game, have fun. This isn't anything new, revolutionary, interesting, whatever. This is just a game. That, that That's pretty much the talk that I've seen. Um, I haven't read enough reviews on it. I haven't played the game. Okay. I haven't watched much of the game. So it's not getting panned. It's not getting panned. It's getting panned by... Well, it, it's not being critically acclaimed. That's different than being that. panned. Panned is like Anthem. It's not get, it's not getting it's not getting bombs. No. It's not it's not from what I can tell it is not a bad video game, but it is not a critically acclaimed video game either. Is it doing anything interesting or it's just zombie survival shooter kind of thing? No. Not from what I've seen. And I've, I keep in mind I've seen less than 25 minutes of gameplay. So And again, both my, Take that with a of salt. My, my interest in this game, but also my feeling that this wasn't going to be good is because of Sam Witwer, who did motion capture and voice for the lead character. And it's amazing. Was at Star Wars Celebration. I got to very briefly meet him on the floor. Super cool guy. Does great voices, live action. But the fact that him also being a Twitcher and just a guy who talks to the people a lot, he has mentioned it almost not at all, is making me think, mm, maybe he even realized, because he probably finished his performance a year ago and is just like, gets to see it. So I, I didn't know if he was just not giving away secrets or was just lukewarm. It seems like maybe he he being a major video gamer himself realized it wasn't it's, great. So he probably signed a fuck ton of NDAs and can't say jack shit about it. That's why. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But specifically, he almost gets in trouble constantly with Star Wars because he uh, almost gives away stuff all, all the time. He's always yeah. on the line. And But I'm saying with this, he didn't even give general, like, I have good vibes about this game. Like, he just wasn't talking about it at all. Like, even, like, promoting yeah. it. Its existence is what I'm saying. Dude, I will say, man, a 72 on Metacritic with, you know, 75 reviews and only two straight-up negative reviews is not bad with 49 positive reviews, which is 62 is that the Is that the Critic or is that a combination of both? That's the Critic reviews. It's a 72. That's critic reviews. I want to see the user reviews because in this situation, 
I would actually users don't have it yet. Is the problem? It's not coming out till tomorrow. Right, right, right. And so, so that that's part of the issue right now. Is like a seventy-two from critics. Yeah, that says a lot, but it doesn't quite say what it means from a user perspective, right? So yeah, look, I mean, I mean, I. Dude, in I, this situation, I actually trust the critic reviews over the user reviews. Well, except the problem is, is that the two most sellout companies ever, IGN and GameSpot, have given it five and six and six point fives. They don't give any games less than seven and a half usually. So that either could mean that they were just weren't paid off by by this game, and so they're giving it a bad review, or it's really really bad. But I I, I don't know where the, the, all these positive reviews... Because, again, only two straight-up negatives of the reviews we have so far. You, you know, Eurogamer calls it a shallow copy of many better open-world action games, which is predictable. But, Ethan, yeah. I'll say to you, if it's even somewhat different, then, to me, it would be appealing to just have something not be Assassin's Creed, you know? My problem is, even though each Assassin's Creed game is getting better, I'm just sick of the Assassin's Creed formula, even though they're, they're clearly better. So if this just does it differently, the way Horizon took from it, I don't need it to be an amazing game. I'm probably not going to play because I'm not a zombie horror guy in general, but, you know, I, I, does that make sense? Like, at least it won't yeah, feel like it, the Assassin's Creed formula. It means, it's, it's more like Mad Max, but zombies. That's really what it is. And it's so you just, come back down to gameplay. Look, you know, if it's, it's if it's if it's like a third person Fallout Four type thing, you know, then maybe it'll be cool. What really drives these games, these open world action games, is their physics. What can you do with the sandbox of the world? With Legend of Zelda, it was all about any the whole world is your puzzle, and go and do things with the different actions you and the abilities you have. With games like Metal Gear Solid Five, it was defeat uh, stealth ops in any way you please. It's an open world stealth, uh, open world stealth game, and go go stealth with all these different tools and mechanics, and defeat enemies in different like, like that, that. That's what it's about. That's what these type of games are about. And unfortunately, yeah. for what I've seen, like it looks it looks playable, mm-hmm. it looks fun. Mm-hmm. For me, not for sixty dollars. <laughs> Absolutely. And dude, this goes to our, when we talked about bringing back demos or shareware type stuff, you know, like let people get a demo of this game on day of release to play two to three or four hours of it. And, you know, I mean, or, or I mean, again, with like a lot of improved live service where you get to sample some of these games and not just the two free games a month thing with PlayStation Plus, which normally are shitty games, you know, like get let us play parts of all these games and maybe get people hooked because, dude, all the complaints about this game are that it's cookie cutter. It feels like, you know, they designed this to be the game that Assassin's Creed is or whatever. But so is Assassin's Creed and so is Far Cry. So, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. I I I continue to, I mean, let's put it this way. Sometimes we can't trust reviewers on these things because they're dealing with this on a meta level of like, oh, this feels exactly like the game on paper that we thought it was. And so we're actually going to detract points from it. And I'm like, well, okay, but are people actually going to like it? So I'm I'm actually not, I don't know if I misheard you before. I want to see the user reviews on this game more than the critic reviews. It... Because Assassin's Creed Odyssey, dude, has been doing great among fans and was considered a step down from Origins by a lot of critics at the time of release. Yeah, that was because of the microtransaction thing, though, mostly less than the gameplay. But but that, that that's why that's why Metacritic is great, right? 
It's because you can skim through the reviews that are trash and ignore them. Um, or have points about them that you can take out. And that's why, that's why the critic reviews are important because they offer a quote-unquote professional standpoint, viewpoint on what makes a, good, a game good or bad and what is in the contents of the game. And you have the user reviews, which will auto will will hundred percent of the time, especially in today's world where review bombing is a consistent thing, whether it's good or bad, will always call out the bullshit that's actually in the game that critics generally don't do, depending on what is controversial. Um, so I, yeah. it. Metacritic would be a good conversation to have someday. Yeah, I, I think um, I think for me the biggest problem is just that even from the earliest trailer or gameplay trailers, it just looked that bleak, dark brown color palette that Fallout has that um that even the Division has. You know, like I I, I can't see myself playing the Division because as good as people say it is, because that color palette of just browns and greens and guns, it, it just is boring to me. After you know, like. Like the colorfulness of Destiny is part of the attraction for me, um, yeah. and to me, even so, if the Division isn't going to sell me on that type of game because of its aesthetic, then this is definitely not going to. In the words "generic," have been used in almost every it- review I've seen in regards to this game. So you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. They're not going to hit a home run with every PS4 game, um, but they certainly do with at least one more, as I talked about, which hopefully is Last of Us. But let's talk about the PS5, dude. You've read the stuff. I've read the stuff. The only thing uh, that that I would say it, we can definitively agree was needed, even though it's going to raise the price, was a solid state drive. And you know, like the reviews were like, "You won't believe how much faster Spider Man loaded with a solid state drive." I'm like, "Yeah, if you know anything about technology, that's not surprising that it would be 15 times faster to load certain things." Like, I have a solid state drive on my PlayStation now. Makes a huge difference with everything. That's so. That's an obvious one. We can talk about pricing yeah. later. Let's talk about some of this stuff and, and explain to me and the listeners. Whether it's the 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 the, the AMD chip set they're using, whether it's the video um, chip set they're using, um, the other guts, um, you know, uh, uh, that, that explain to the layperson a little bit um, what what what's in there that you understand, what you think is just showing off, but that's not going to make a difference. Some stuff that will make a big difference again, other than the solid state drive. So you can yeah. start anywhere on this and just and just go. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give a quick TLDR about what I'm gonna talk about at the beginning here, mm-hmm. which is just simply straight up massively more power than the old system. Like we're actually like following Moore's law. Yeah. Uh, as far as the technology is, uh, the technology conversion from the PS4 to the PS5. So you're gonna get top of the line current standard hardware at the release of the product or Slightly behind current, uh, but not by much at all, um, in this new PS5 um, versus how the PS4 was when it launched, where it was a little behind and very behind in certain categories of its hardware. So you're like they are they are really going all out to make this system hmm. like top of the line, current gen, um, like very good hardware for the time. Comparable to a comparable to a low end or starter PC build, almost that like that. That's how comparable this unit is, at least it's hardware wise. Um, 
if you took the guts out of this out of the PS5 and put it into a, a starter PC, you would you'd have a very hard time comparing them. Now, what that means for the price, I'll get into later. But very simply put, this thing is going to be six hundred dollars. There's no way it's not. Um, so let's let's hey, get bud. into some of the let's get. Yep, mm-hmm. I, I'm just gonna I'm listening. I'm just gonna put myself on mute for the next couple of minutes while you talk about this. Sure. So you're not gonna be hearing all the the huzz and hums and haws because I just it's easier just for me to mute it. But I'm I'm yeah, I am fully here and listening. So go it, cool. If the recording gets fucked up, which it, fingers crossed has been doing great for the last four or five minutes, I'll let you know. It, so that's not happening. It's just me on yeah, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, I I know when your thing crashes because Skype it, it doesn't connect. Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So so just to get into some of the nitty gritty here. So, um, the first major improvement, and they did a lot of boasting about it. So the, I'm going to preface this. They did a lot of boasting about this thing. A lot of lip service. A lot of a lot of this is the greatest thing ever type of talk. I'm going to talk about what they said and then what it means. So one of the things that they boasted was uh, of the big upgrades was, is that there's going to be an SSD in this thing. And they claim that this SSD is the greatest SSD on the market for gaming because there is no other SSD on the market at all. Like the SSD that they've built for this system, it is so good at read-write speeds that it makes it, it will allow developers to make better games. That's how good this SSD is. What does that actually mean? Since I don't know the specs of the actual device, uh, and so for those who don't know, a solid-state drive is a hard drive, mm. but it run it doesn't have a, di- a spinning disk inside of it, meaning the data the data transfer or the data read-write speeds is several times faster uh much faster than a optical drive which is what a conventional hard drive a spinning disc hard drive could ever be mm-hmm. in the ps4 pro and the xbox one and that whole generation there were spinning discs in them, meaning there was only so fast and so much data and so much open world and so much other things insert hot buzz word here things that they could put into the video games because it was running on an optical disc mm-hmm. now that there is an ssd in these devices not to mention modern day ssd in these devices not only will your system just overall be a faster better system mm-hmm. more than you'll ever know if anybody's out there ever swapped from a conventional hard drive to an ssd knows the speed is just incredible it just feels your system is just so much faster so for what that means for developers it means you're going to get better you're just you're just gonna get better games because developers are going to finally be able to develop for ssds Mm -hmm. rather than hard disks and so what that the quality of games Mm -hmm. much better can i I just respond so a that sounds like bullshit. Ours was the best SSD ever. But the point being, SSDs are already so much better. I don't know why that's the thing you brag about. Like, just say SSD and explain what it is to people. Because, as you know, the Mac before this one was basically dead three years ago. I put in an SSD myself, and it, the only reason I had to give it up for my newer Mac, ultimately, was because the battery was terrible, um, and it was getting kind of heavy. But the SSD gave a complete new life. I've been running my whole podcast off that 2012 MacBook Pro, man. It wasn't even a top of the line in 2012. Completely changed it. And by the way, people out there, there's a reason why it wasn't until they could use flash memory in uh, phones that we got smartphones and tablets. Um, 
you know, because it, 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 there's also a physics thing here, Ethan, that a lot of people don't know, which is the lack of moving parts makes it faster, but also way more reliable overall. Because right. when there's fewer moving parts and or no moving parts compared to all the moving parts of tip, typical old school optical, um, you know, hard drives, um, HDDs, you know, from back in the day, things can go slower, but also things can go wrong in many places that, you know, don't really happen. And that's why phones, as you and I have talked about, some people don't realize that their high-end iPhones or Samsungs are faster than the computer at their work in some cases, right? Yeah. Specifically yeah, so because it, of the drive, yeah. So I, I don't know yeah. why they have to brag about the specific SSD so, drive. Just say, SSD, I, here's the performance, boom. Yeah, and, and so th- that's what I was going to get into. Um, that was speaking of which, they didn't clarify any of the specs on any of the things except for the CPU and a little bit of the graphics card. But, but I'll get into that in a second. About the, about the fastest thing ever. This could... This smells like a whole bunch of rotten bullshit that they're just boasting about. Um, it's theoretically possible that they figured out some way to make their PS4 in conjunction with this specific SSD the fastest read-write for gaming ever, right? Theoretically. It's probably just a whole bunch of bullshit, so take it at face value. But the important thing is, is that it is an SSD, uh, of some varying size, probably a 500 gig, and it will be able to allow developers to make better games, and it will be a better system for you, the end consumer. Um, good. All good. We both said that SSDs needed to be in the next generation of consoles. They really should have been in the PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X, but they're not, which was disappointing, but whatever. Um, so, good. Great. Um Let's quickly just talk about the 8K resolution crap and then get behind it because it's a whole bunch of bullshit. Sony said that this device will be able to support up to 8K resolution. A couple things about 8K resolution. Number one, if you are currently listening to this podcast on your yacht, congratulations. This new console will support 8K resolution because you're the only one who can buy a five grand TV Mm -hmm. at Six megahertz, or it's six millisecond delay time uh, from Best Buy, and put it on your yacht to play video games. Congratulations! And, and can, all, can I just point out something as a movie guy? Even the best movie theaters are, are, are I believe, are at six K at this point. I know Guardians of the Galaxy Two was the first six K widescreen wide release film, and that was what two years ago. So they're not even at eight K in most movie theaters, let alone home screens. Go ahead. Yeah. It. it the saying you can support 8K is just to say how like your graphical intensity. What can you do with the 8K? And when they say 8K, they mean, hey guys, we can play Spider-Man at 8K in 15 frames. That's what they're trying to say. Like it, it, it's just it, it's just it's it's just bullshit. Okay, ignore it. If they seriously try to put out an 8K system, not only is the system going to be a expensive, which it already is. But B, no one will ever take advantage of it. The people who can decipher between 4K and 8K on their TVs are people who spend their days every day, all day in the tech world and going to CES. Mm -hmm. That's what they do, right? And these people already have enough hard time trying to decipher between 4K and 8K. Can I I give a counterpoint to this? And by the way, guys, in general, part of the reason I'm letting Ethan run this section is because he knows way more about what he's talking about. Part of it is I agree that this is all hype and the bigger 
thing, Ethan, that we need to point out is only people that are professional media or casual but nerdy podcasters like ourselves are even paying attention to this. And no one else will pay attention to anything but the price tag and when it's coming out. So right. so th- this is just for us. But I will say, if Sony could go back and, and put a little bit more um, into the original PS4, including 4K support, and not have to release the PS4 Pro, you know, which seemed like a corrective, maybe they're overcompensating here because they don't want to have to do a PS5 Pro um, I'm not saying this is a good decision or even realistic or it'll be well executed or executed at all in the end, but I'm wondering if this is Sony internally being like, well, we wish we had put 4K in the initial PS4 system and we didn't, and I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of. Otherwise, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just a whole bunch of baloney. Please don't pay attention to the 8K thing. No one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. But I'm saying, like, what I'm saying, though, dude, is, uh, again, optics, marketing, the only reason right. they, they get away with this is because now, the only people paying attention are us, Jason Schreier, the girls from the podcast I talk about, the co-optional, like the podcasters you follow, Skill Up. Like only only the five percent super nerds are even and, following and, this. So no one in the real world even cares or knows what AK is. And, and for investors, but but he, now here is the that, good that's a good point. That's a great that point. Comes out now. Here is the good thing that comes out of them saying you can support AK. That means there is a serious amount of graphical power into this thing. And I fully expect, especially after the talk that Microsoft was putting out about how their next console will support 4K60, mm. I fully expect some games will be able to support 4K60 on this device. Some games hmm. at some point in the future, not at launch. Um, so that that's good because that's a huge step forward for consoles. Let's let's not even, let's not even forget 4K. 60 for a second. 1080 60 would be a huge step forward for consoles. And I fully expect that mainstream titles, maybe not at launch, but definitely to the years to come, will be able to support 1080 60 on these devices. And that is a, such a huge step forward. And I, like, like, I understand that for people out there who are just the con- who, who enjoy their PS4 just like the sit down, plug play, expect it to work, that 1080 or 4K 30 is a very enjoyable experience, right? Great. But for people who have not experienced 60, like true 60 frames yet in their video games, when you experience 1080 60 for the first time, it's a very enjoyable and very playable experience. So I'm, 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 I'm very excited for the the next group of exclusives to be 108060 because like for a lot of PC people out there 108030 is just a no-go. It's 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 a turnoff. Why would I buy your system if it can't even play the game in the I mean, qualities that I that I need out of it. For the for right. what they're promising and based on the price point you think, the high price point it's gonna be, they better be able to do four K uh sixty frames, honestly. Or at least the possibility of four K sixty frames for the price some, they have to be able to and not at launch. Like, some games and not at launch. Right, but I'm so, saying the potential of it has to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 and th- that, that's what I'm saying with the eight K thing. They threw the eight K thing out there just for investors and just to tell us that the graphical power in this thing has to be powerful enough to even support that number. And so I fully expect 4K60 to be in the realm of possibility. Um, so 
Th- that's the key thing out of the way. Um, they also dropped ray tracing. Now, for those who don't know what ray tracing is, ray tracing is hmm. the newest graphical, the, the newest graphic uh, card yep. improvement from uh, NVIDIA and AMD. AMD's coming out with their cards soon. Um, but ray tracing is, in essence, the technology to be able to develop your game with highly realistic shadow quality. Um, if you've played a video game before and you've noticed what shadows look like, you'll know that things like trying to get shadows off of a candle or shadows off of uh, in, a, in a dark room coming in through windows are not realistic to how life works. The way they work is a developer puts them in and tries to simulate what they would look like hmm. based on those objects. Okay. What ray tracing allows games to do is take, say, the light from a can- uh, the, the, it's dark out and the light from a candle to create shadows that are realistic to how a candle would create shadows actually work in real life. And that's a highly intensive and highly graphically draining um, feature. Mm-hmm. Sony says that the PS5 will have ray tracing built into the system. Mm-hmm. Can I can I bring in a meta point here sure, about this that also connects with something we've talked about, which is the id software, Carmack and Romero guys, and how they basically invented dynamic lighting in Doom mm-hmm. and then Quake, and how how little it's come in twenty years technology wise. I mean, is that why they're they're making a push for this? Is that they're still basically up until now been using the the doom uh, d- tricks? They're, they're not re- it's not true dynamic lighting. It's just tricking, tricking, yeah. tricking us the so, same way that most three D isn't real three D. It's like two and a half D kind of thing. So the technology has been around for years, mm-hmm. but it hasn't had a place in gaming just because of how graphically intensive it is. Okay. With um. Now, ray tracing is actually very commonly used in movies mm. for After Effects mm-hmm. um, to make shadows more realistic, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 so, and it makes more sense in a movie because you're not it, – it's, it's all pre-processed. That's how movies work. In gaming in real time, to try to create realistic shadows based on not only the player's viewpoint, but just in a, just, just in a setting where you have to create an open world mm-hmm. where – like, like, like anything can happen at any time like that's incredibly hard to do yep. and so this technology is so new and so underused right now mm-hmm. that um and and for it to be in the ps4 five uh, sorry the ps5 it, it, it's it's mm-hmm. such an upsell mm-hmm. so what i'm expecting out of this is low end ray tracing so mm-hmm. can I can I just give a pers- personal example? Noticeable, but not anywhere near what is mm-hmm. possible out of true ray tracing. So just as a personal example, and, dude, you, you were online with me with Destiny when I first saw like the most realistic video game shadow ever that came out of nowhere, and it scared the shit out of me because it was so real, and I realized it was my shadow because like I don't know mm-hmm. why it jumped out at me, but as it, it just you know it, it, Destiny the lighting because you it. Let's put it this way. When something looks so real, it freaks you out because we've seen shadows in real life that 
even if you're not looking at the light source, you're like, okay, well, my shadow's here, so the light source must be here. So when it happens in video games perfectly, like it has in Destiny a few times, it, it takes. It seems like a small thing, but it adds to the realism. And dude, you know this, but for the listeners... You know, guys, part of the thing I do to be able to play games like StarCraft and, and Civ on my on my Mac is the first thing you you dial back is not the colors and textures, but the shadows and lighting. Uh, honestly, um, like you can, I can still have the textures and, and and some of the other stuff on medium or even high, but it's the shadows and, and and lighting which really suck a lot of resources. So I'm guessing that's why they're doing this again, distilling what you've been saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so more specifically, like when, I, when we're getting to like the nitty gritty details of what it actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine the warehouse example or the, the 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 room example that I brought up earlier. Yep. When you have light coming in from uh, fr- from a light source mm-hmm. in through windows, what normal shadows what what the normal shadows that the game would create are very static and very bland. Mm-hmm. And in addition, the way normal shadows work in games, the way I understand it is that when you bring in that light source, the rest of the area is illuminated based on how that lighting works. Mm-hmm. What you would be able to do with this is have that light source come in, but then not, uh, but only illuminate specifically what you're trying to create and create the shadows along with it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how like that's how real life works. Like you bring in light, there's varying levels of illumination going on in a room. Um, with 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 window uh, when you have light coming in through a window, and so what this allows you to do is create that realistic shadow quality. Um, and so when they promise this, here's the thing. It's so it, ray tracing is such a young technology for the video game world that I I expect two years down the line at earliest we're going to see games take advantage of the technology uh, of ray tracing that's built into the PS5 mm-hmm. uh, and that th- and th- it's going to be at a low quality too. There's no way unless this console is seven hundred dollars. <laughs> there's no way that the the shadow quality is of of even comparable nature to what current uh pc graphics cards can put out there but again the ray tracing was the name was dropped not to say what the system uh will be doing but what the system can be doing mm-hmm. like the 8k thing it just shows how powerful the graphics is the graphics card is on the system. Um, it is powerful enough that it could support ray tracing even at a low um, at a low level. And we've seen what graphics cards that aren't supposed to have ray tracing attached to them um, try running ray tracing looks like, and it's not very good. Um, so it it, it 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 speaks to how powerful this graphics card is and that's very good because once again it reinforces how powerful this console will be and how good the games are going to look on this system Mm -hmm. it reinforces the 60 frames um quickly diving into the cpu yes i was about to ask you that same idea same idea it's so it's so powerful i just read for the listeners the the tech Mm -hmm. name of all this and then you can talk about what it means so 
Mm-hmm. So, so you started talking about the video stuff. So like its predecessor, the PS5 will use an AMD Radeon graphics processor, but with upgrades, including the ray tracing thing you described. Um, uh, but when it comes to the, the CPU chipset, it's, they're saying eight core, seven nanometer AMD Zen 2 microarchitecture using the powerful Ryzen PC processors. I have no idea what that means. So go ahead. So that's an AMD processor um, that's using latest generation um, processor types. Um, and that is, it, 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 it's a very powerful processor. For reference, this CPU is without a doubt four times, if not stronger, than the PS4 Pro has CPU. And it has to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. I'd have to look at the, I, I forget the actual core set on the Pro chip, but mm-hmm. it is at least four times stronger. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, again, just reiterating it with the 8K, the SSD, the ray tracing, this all speaks volumes, not about what the actual thing they're saying, mm-hmm. but what about what it's capable of doing. And that's important because at launch, just like the PS4, just like the Xbox One, we're not going to see a ton of video games take advantage of the hardware involved in those systems mm-hmm. and not a ton of games that are going to be super awesome because of that. But mm-hmm. a year down the line, two years down the line, mm-hmm. we're going to see some truly incredible games by console standards coming out. Mm-hmm. And I- that's what's that's what's awesome about this yep. is a 1080 60 frame per second experience is something totally revolutionary for the console world. And I cannot wait for that to finally be the case Mm -hmm. because PCs have had that technology for such a long time. We're talking about a decade, a decade, like Mm -hmm. more, 12, Mm -hmm. 15 years. Mm -hmm. Like it's time. It's time for, for, it's it's time for that to be the the realism here. Can I can, can I do before we geek out on some more tech and then we can wrap up on on Persona and a couple things. Um, you know, despite the bragging about the SSD, which is you know again SSD is already a huge jump. I don't know why I need to brag on top of that. Whatever on top of the 8K thing, which we agree, it seems like a long shot. But also, I, I do think historically 4K came upon us quicker than maybe we thought it would. Um, so maybe again, that's the the thing. I, I don't really want to dwell on it. I'm excited that you're excited about the chipset. It seemed to be dope. But Ethan, I think part of the reason the exec came out publicly with this is not just for us nerds because again 95% of the video game population won't care about any of this until it's officially announced in the price which by the way dude the leaks say 499 which is exactly what I told you there's no way it's gonna be over 499 for the base model in my opinion just based on Sony's past of going back to console wars how they price their stuff competitively I know 499 is a lot of money more than 500 though would really be tough to sell um, but yeah. But furthermore, um, I just want to add, I think this is a signal to non-Sony studios because obviously Naughty Dog and company have the inside track on this from the, you know, they've known this for however much they've known it inside Sony. But I think this also communicating to third-party studios who have developed games for them before and want to in the future to go on record it publicly and say, these are the things we're going to be in the system. So start thinking about that in the next year and a half while you try and start designing games for the PS5, right? Because 
if, if this thing's coming out in a year and a half and the specs are 80% close to what is being described here, then you as a third-party developer are like, okay, I have a decent idea of what we need to do. Even if we're 50, 60% into this game idea and we have to restructure some of it, I think going on the record publicly is a smart business move for third-party developers. And there's a list of games ranging, ranging from the new Assassin's Creed to the new Grand Theft Auto that is expected to be optimized for the PS5 when it comes out. Um, maybe we'll end on software titles. Um, but I just want to add that business aspect. I think it was very smart to do this publicly from an executive inside and not just privately because they're more accountable now that it's out there. So when this stuff doesn't happen, then we can say, ah, you lied or whatever, or, or you didn't lie. Yeah. Um, do you know what I'm saying? I think it's a smart, a smart business move. Yeah. Um, and, 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 more than, and yeah, no, go ahead. And, and more, more than that, like as we get closer to a launch and an official reveal, we'll start to see more dev kits get out there. We'll start to see because all the internal studios they have PS5 dev kits. They said that in the article. But as we um, and and for, for the third party developers, those who know, mm-hmm. um, unless they're huge studios, um, they'll start to send out dev kits to them soon. But the huge studios, yep. like they'll they they've already gotten dev kits. I guarantee. And, and I think I think, dude, it's not a coincidence that we get this and The Last of Us two news dropping relatively around the same time because Naughty Dog has had whatever this dev kit is before anyone else and if they're for sure going to be releasing for PS4, whatever the pricing point is for the PS5 version remaster, whether it's free or they charge or whatever, clearly it's it's beneficial for them to to have pushed the project along with the new information they have so that they can have a remastered ver- or you know fu- fully souped up version ready for the PS5 because that is going to be a, a lot of people's let's be honest like even if Last of Us 2 technically comes out on PS4 People like me sometimes wait a year or two before playing these games, and so that will be essentially a launch title for some people for the PS5. And so to be be ready with that, and man, dude, just thinking about Horizon 2, which obviously is not coming out till PS5, thank God, it just it makes me so happy. And The Witcher, um, Cyberpunk is another game I wanted to ask you about. Um, I don't know if we're ready to go into software titles or whether you wanted to wrap up on the, the hardware. Uh, I mean. I mean, you did a great job of describing I, I, I it. Just, Maybe we I shouldn't just, overdo it. So, so four four ninety nine. If that's the leaked price, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's what it's gonna be. I would not be surprised if that's wrong. But here's the thing, and and th- this is what's impressive about Sony, is that they are willing to take a one hundred and fifty dollar loss per unit mm-hmm. on this thing, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's impressive. That's a very impressive. Oh, they will. And this will be part of the reason I love Sony. Can I do a quick back padding here related to, to Disney, which is a year ago on my podcast, I said Disney was going to undersell um, the entire market by flooding with cheap Disney Plus service. This was before the Fox merger. So now you can get the Simpsons and all the Fox stuff in addition to all the Disney stuff. I said $5.99. It's going to be $6.99, which is half of Netflix and pretty much anything else out there. Disney's doing the same thing. They're taking a short-term loss so that every country, every house in this country has Disney Plus by the end of the year for $6.99 a month for a bazillion yeah. things. And then they can raise the price later when they'll make their money back quickly. But they also have you know three new Star Wars shows, two or three new Marvel shows, and all sorts of kid stuff coming out in addition to all the old stuff if you're the if you're already the market leader and let's be honest dude at the moment playstation is still the market leader when it comes to this generation then i i agree with what you're saying and that's the connection is yes take the short-term loss nintendo does this all the time take the short-term loss for the long-term major gain go ahead yeah i mean it's it's just they would be dumb not to if you and i can see it then they, they would be dumb not to it's just it listen listen 
it just it, like, like I, I it, it is a factor that everyone has to think about because listen let's say, let's say that leaked price is wrong what if it, 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 this is a conversation we can have at another day but what if the console market decides to take a phone a, a phone market route where every year it goes up by 100 to 200 dollars Every generation goes up by a hundred, two hundred dollars. Mm. It's very possible, right? If the market, if if Xbox and Sony both say, "Hey, we're gonna let's let's agree that the market's gonna go up by this much money, and so we can put our consoles at the same rate to for competitive business," like like it just it, it I, I, please please do not expect the console to be five hundred dollars. Just just well, I will. That's all I'm gonna say. I will say this, oh. Ethan. I will say this. Because let let's assume everything I say of, of the following I say is, is true and going to happen. Okay, let's say okay. immediate, total zero problem cross compatibility straight up with all digital and physical games from the PS4. That's happened. Assume that the optical drive is for sure happening, which they're saying straight up is happening. So optical mm-hmm. drive, you can still get used PS4 games, etc. Say that that's happening. Say that there will be remasters ready to go for Last of Us 2. And here's the part where you need to take a leap of faith with me, Ethan, but to make the point, just go along. Say that it will be included, that if you bought Last of Us 2 for PS4 and then buy a PS5, they will give you the 20 gigabyte Destiny... Just can you just let me please finish the point? Go ahead, go ahead. ahead. For for little to no money, be able to upgrade numerous games, even games like Spider Man. Maybe they, you know, because again, a lot of these games are coming from studios that are just doing one game. Santa Monica with God of War. Maybe they're having them do a God of War remaster and a Horizon remaster. And maybe it's not free, but maybe you can get God of War, Horizon, Spider Man, Last of Us, like all the best, best selling and, and critically best and loved games from the PS4 generation, not only ported, but slightly up, upscaled and upgraded. But that would be why you raise it to five ninety nine. So you don't charge for any of those remasters, but you do charge more for the consoles. That would be the scenario where it would work. Now you can't do both. If you charge way more for the console than four ninety nine and charge for these remasters, then that would be a huge problem. But if if I can get you know the best six to eight Sony games that I have already on my system, you know remastered for free or little money as part of that five ninety nine price. That, that would help. That's why I wanted you to go along with my hypothetical. But I think more likely it will be you'll have to pay something for the remaster, but they're going to keep the console below $500. I cannot foresee it going above um, is my feeling. Let's just, let's just go ahead and say the leak is real and say it's 500 for a second. Where I'm on board with you about the texture thing if they include it in PS Plus, well, that was my prediction too. Just for the, just because I, I want to be clear, yeah. this was me and not you or the leak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the leak yeah. just confirmed well, my prediction from months ago that this would be four ninety nine. But again, I I have more faith in my own prediction than this leak source. To be honest, it could be anything. Okay, um, what I see them doing if they're not going to double mm-hmm. charge for the game, which I'll, I'll get into that in a second. If they include the textures in a PS Plus membership. Meaning you get you can upscale textures if you have PS Plus. That makes sense to me because that would sell PS Plus subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Just branching off of that though, the reason why, again, if it if they have to de- take developers away and hire developers 
to upscale the game, to port it to the PS5, mm-hmm. and make it a better overall experience because the engine isn't developed for it, which I'm going to say this plain and clearly, most PS4 games, that, that's the, that, that will be the case with most PS4 games. Yep. There is no way mm-hmm. that Sony just hands them out for free. Oh, yeah. Because in the past, mm-hmm. it has not been a controversial, it, it was never controversial in the past, at least not that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since it's not controversial, Sony will take the route. Sony will say, we can make money by doing this, so we're going to make money by doing this. Can I, can I, can I follow that up that I mostly agree with what you're saying? And I'm going to stop speculating about the price aspect, but I will say... Two games which are already we know are in development are the sequels to God of War and Horizon. And you know what, dude? Mm-hmm. Horizon and God of War are still gonna look gorgeous in their original mode on the new Absolutely. system. You know? I mean both Horizon and God of War I've heard are slightly better but barely noticeable difference in the PS4 Pro than the PS4 because of how gorgeous they were in the first place. Now if they get to sixty right. frames it, or in set like that would be great. But what I'm saying also though is Neither God of War 2 nor Horizon 2 are going to start their engine from scratch. You know, they're going to evolve into the sequel version for the PS5. But that means then, now that they have the technology to then go back and touch up and upscale the Horizon 1 and God of War 1. So I don't know what the price point is, the logistics whatsoever, but the, it, but the Sony companies that have the inside edge and are only developing one, maybe two games for them at a time and are already ahead of non-Sony studios for developing software for the PS5, it, whether they get greedy or not, I, I don't know, but they could do it more easily than maybe it would seem because uh, they've already are in the process of doing the horizon for the PS five and the God of war for the PS five, if that makes sense. So, so yeah, let me, let me comment on what you're saying. Yep. So the logistics for what you're speculating on, some of the things are very possible. Some of the things are very, uh, very close to, you have to remake the entire game mm-hmm. to do what you're asking. Mm-hmm. So for resolution, 1080 to 4k, that's a lot simpler than making your game 30 frames to 60 frames. Making your game 30 frames to 60 frames, again, all of these games are dependent on the engine that they're built in, Mm -hmm. but 30 to 60 is a lot harder to do than 1080 to 4K. Yep. That's just that's just that's just a lot, lot, lot harder to do. And I agree. And I I think again, when it's third-person narrative story games that aren't shooters, you know, shooters, you need as many frames as possible. I, I, God of War and Horizon look fine in 1080, third locked at 30. Right. And so, if they go from the sort of simulated 4K that you can get on Horizon on a Pro to actual 4K, that in itself as a texture pack as a patch that would be awesome because it would get other people involved to get people to play it again maybe buy the dlc you hadn't bought you know there's like there's a lot of things in between i guess what i'm saying ethan is we should be clear there's a lot of scenarios in between of small ways these games could be improved between the ps4 and ps5 that don't require a full-on remaster situation right and that that's what that's that that goes back to the underlying question i had way back at the beginning when we were sort of talking about this was when I, when I put in my PS4 disc, yep. will it run at PS4 Pro textures, at PS4 Pro uh, levels? Let's let's say that. Mm-hmm. Or will it run at a PS4 level? Mm-hmm. That's what I want to know. And it, it's it, that brings me right into the game that I'm most curious for about, which is 
Persona 5 Royale. Uh, and one of the things we found out about it was is that it's going to have PS4 Pro support. And so what I'm curious, what I want to know is, is since, since we have these games coming out, uh, Persona 5 Royale, Last, for, uh, Last of Us 2, Ghost of Tsushima, Death Stranding, whatever else, right? Since we have all these games coming out, I want to know, do I just want to buy a PS5 and I have a PS4 Pro as well? Or do I want to buy a PS5 or do I want to just buy a PS4 Pro right. and have the PS4 Pro and then wait to buy a PS5? Right. That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Because if I have to if I have to have a PS4 Pro and a PS5 to get the best quality of to get the best quality PS4 games, mm-hmm. I, what's the point? In, what's the point of having backwards compatibility in the five if I can't right. play my PS4 games at high quality? Right. right? So, but I, but I just goes to show, man. Again, for the average video game player, let's let's. I'm going to say these four games: Horizon, God of War, Spider Man, and Red Dead Red Dead Redemption Two all will still look great regardless of which of those three versions you have. And you know, it's still going to look great to most people, whether even if it's not 60 frames, even if it's not 4k, so they don't have to do it. I'm just putting out a scenario where there's a way that some of the games could get upscaled in resolution, if not in frame rate or vice versa, but I don't think they're feeling pressure. And honestly, just as a fan of, of Horizon and Santa Monica Studios and, and all and all those first uh, all the first party studios at Sony, I'd rather them working a thousand percent on the sequel and not trying to upscale the old games because I'm still gonna be able to play the old games on the new system. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if like I don't want this to push back Horizon two six months because they're trying to upgrade Horizon one as a selfish person. Yeah. So dude, I, they, they never yeah. do it. They so, never do it. Either. So I, I really want to talk about game announcements. You know, there was an initial bunch of rumors, including Last of Us 2, which I think part of the reason they're happy to announce that they finished this, the shooting of Last of Us 2 in the possible release date is to dispel rumors that we'd have to wait. Um, two, uh, I, I have three titles um, from a source that has predicted a lot of this pretty well. I have three non-exclusive titles they think are going to be ready to go when it comes out in one exclusive title. Do you want to guess what the exclusive title is that more than one sources is um, projecting will be a, a, a day of release for the PS5? Hint, it's not a game you and I are interested in whatsoever, but we'll show off the graphical power potentially. Uh, it's not Death Stranding. It's... Uh... No. Uh, I'll just tell you it's GT Seven, Gran Turismo Seven. Gran Turismo Seven. I thought I thought you I, I thought you said GTA well, for a second. I was like, uh, well, I'll, let me. I'll get that started. Of the of the three games that I've seen in numerous sites saying is going to be released around the time of the PS Five, assuming these dates are all correct, one of them is Grand Theft Auto Six. I I expect we will get some comment from Rockstar about their next game. Here's the problem with GTA Six. And they're saying it must be exclusive, at least initially, to Sony, which is mind-blowing if that's true. Even beyond that, I'm not sure GTA 6 is the next Rockstar game to come out. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Bully 2 is the next game to come out from Rockstar. But I'm not sure. I don't, I don't I, I forget. I forget what their schedule order is, uh, what we know and don't know. But um, but look, if, if Sony's going to shell out for one giant... Like getting Bloodborne, if this if this is going to be their Bloodborne essentially, then in a game that they know is eventually going to be non-exclusive, but they get first shot at with all their user base, man, oh man, that would I, I you know I hate the Grand Theft Auto games. But that, I don't that know would if be the Rockstar guys would do that though. 
I, I guess I guess it would be Take Two's call, not theirs. Well, yeah, but think about this: if you're uh, a rock star, Sony's going to pay you tens of millions of more and only have a six month exclusivity window, and then you'll be ready to go at the day after the the contract is over to, uh, with PC and Xbox and maybe Switch versions. I suppose uh, that that would work for everybody, especially if the Xbox is coming out later than the PlayStation, which is something I didn't see coming. Man, I don't I don't really want to talk about Xbox. On this podcast, because that's a whole nother one, and we, you know, it'll be interesting to see if we get more news on it. Um, but uh, I, I, just based on how many people have PlayStation Fours and are loving the games, it would make sense for for GTA to do this for like a three to six month period of exclusive. I mean, how long was it before Bloodborne became available? I should know this, considering we just did that whole fucking podcast. Never, <laughs> never. Bloodborne still PS Four exclusive. Oh, is it still a PS Four exclusive? So yep. people are still salty about that. I'm sure. People would die to get Bloodborne in 60 frames on PC. People I gotta get, die. I gotta get that from you, my man. I, I really, yeah, I want it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to do it. I want to yeah, do absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, um, and the and another it's one definitely is definitely the most yeah. accessible Souls game besides sure. two. And the fact that they're predicting in November 2020, um, for PS5, uh, the the now that Ubisoft is being smart and doing two years between Assassin's Creed game. Assassin's Creed, whatever the next one is, um, which they're saying is Vikings, which would be amazing, um, is likely to be not exclusive to, but a a game that would drop at or around release of the new system. So I would for sure be excited about that. Even though I'm always dissing it, I still like those games and Vikings would be sick. So um, any last comments and then we'll finish on Persona and the Switch. No, I mean... Okay, well, so really quickly, nothing. Yeah, it's not. It's neither surprising to us nor would we expect Nintendo to operate on anyone's schedule. So why anyone thought the Switch announcements, if there are any coming soon, would happen at E3 is crazy because they do stuff on their own time, direct to their people. So I, I, that's not really news to me, but it is to some people apparently. Yeah, I mean, they, they well, they haven't put out a direct lately at all. I know, but I'm um, saying if Sony's not using E3 these days to make these announcements, then why the hell would Nintendo? Well, it's still it's still the time that everybody looks for gaming news. So they won't have a stage, but they will make an announcement during the event. Mm-hmm. Um, which all three it, Microsoft will do it next year. Mm-hmm. As soon as, assuming Sony's live stream panel, whatever they do, is successful, mm-hmm. they'll pull out next year, and then you'll see Ubisoft, and then you'll see whoever else pull out as well. Oh, and eventually, there yeah. will be no more gaming at yeah. E3 at all. It'll just be live okay. announcements. Uh, can I can I add one thing? Because I mostly agreed with both your compliments and critiques across the board. That was a nice job uh, talking about it. Really quickly, though, one thing I liked about this interview with the PlayStation guy was that he was like, look, we're certainly not giving up on VR. We still have our VR division and are developing it. The controller will be mm-hmm. optimized for VR. We're going to work on our 3d sound so the sound because let's be honest 3d sound is really only important in vr context at this point i mean you know mm-hmm. um but he was also stressing that like they were not building the new system around vr they understand it's yep. still a fringe thing and sony being sony is smartly gonna have it be an option but not the way xbox relied on the connect for example it, that was yep. a huge mistake uh, i think yep. we, we can agree that it, we both like that they're not stressing VR too much and can at least compliment Sony on that much for openly saying this isn't for now going to be a major part of what we're doing. That, I, that could I change. Want, I want to go a step further. I want to go a step further and praise them mm-hmm. because not only did they say all of that, mm-hmm. but they said, yes, we're developing a PS5 VR. 
Yes, it'll have significant upgrades from VR that's had uh, that VR has had in the years since we've yep. since it's come out, and PS4 VR will be fully compatible with the PS5. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. Mm-hmm. That is exactly how it should mm-hmm. be. Yep. All oh, of that, everything yep. he said for the for the VR section, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. I have one more compliment. This has to do with just having one of their lead execs go to a, a publication like Wired and actually show them stuff and, and give stuff, you know. Again, we'll have to wait for the final product, but having a, a, one of their actual execs go, you know, remember when um, No Man's Sky started taking a turn for the better um, and we were talking about it, and I told you, I said, what did I hate most about Sean Murphy, despite the fact that it got better? It wasn't that he lied. He's a liar. It, well, no, lying was bad, but what was worse was not taking accountability for the lies and not going yeah. into public saying, I fucked up, I'm going to make this better. Because they did make it better, and so he should have just had the guts to do it. And for you know, even though Sony and, and Nintendo can be very secretive, when it comes to giant things, they normally have top people come out just like with their studios, I can't, you know, with Naughty Dog, Neil Druckmann, it's, they don't give to underlings or do the EA Anthem thing and put it all on Bioware, um, take no responsibility, but, but even more so than putting on Bioware with EA, blaming the media and the public for yeah. their, their screw up, you know, like it, it, whether the 8K thing and everything happens, we'll have to see. I, I think they're at least trying it if he's saying it, you know. Um, but I just want to, again, I think Sony and Nintendo are just so well run. And your guy at Microsoft, whose name I always forget, who you Paul like, has been doing a great job just in terms of managing the public and being very open and honest. I'm excited to see what they come up with, dude, because now there's a year and a half where Microsoft can push Sony. And if Microsoft can push Sony and Sony can push Microsoft in good ways, that'll be great. And so hopefully in Spencer, Microsoft has a communicator now because one thing that we know Steve Jobs was always a thousand times better than Bill Gates as was communication and salesmanship. And so hopefully Microsoft has nailed that. Are you cool pushing off Xbox talk? For now, um, and finish. yeah, well, there's, there's nothing to talk about either. Yeah. That's the thing. It's if all we, if we had a spec sheet, mm-hmm. if we had a spec sheet, we could at least compare. And all right, well, we're doing great. But... We've got 90 minutes. My computer's still alive, so let's finish up with Persona uh, and with uh, any small topics you have, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, we've had a bunch of Persona announcements. Um, just like with the previous two games, Persona Three and Persona Four, they are re-releasing the game with a huge expansion inside of it. Um, and, uh, I mean, Persona fans are going crazy, uh, as am I, uh, it, so they're, ba- they're basically adding, like, I want to say a little, like a 20% expansion to the game, which is huge. That's awesome. Um, great. It, it, it's, it's great all around. Uh, they're going to re-release the game with all of the DLC in it, uh, for $60, uh, and it will be out next year in the West and the rest of Asia. It'll be available in Japan this October. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of really all there is to say about it, unless you're a super Persona fan. I fucking love Persona, mm. so I'm very excited. Sure. Um, and uh, we found out what Persona 5 S is. Uh, there, they did two Ds. There was Persona 5 R and Persona 5 S. Everyone assumed that Persona 5 S was going to be a Switch port of Persona 5. Turns out we all got debated. Uh, it sucks. We are getting a Persona 5 Warriors game. 
on both the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. So if you're a fan of the Warriors games, congratulations, you're getting a Warriors game, but for Persona, and it's on the Switch. Yay! Um, so I'm a little dis- I'm disappointed mm-hmm. by the news, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm sure it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so quick thing, I just happened to see about Days Gone from Vice, which is actually a site and magazine. I usually trust on such things. So, do you remember the video game? I'm forgetting the name of it. Where it's like a horribly gratuitous shooter that takes place in Iraq, and you're asked to increasingly murder civilians as part of your missions and then it turns out that you're totally crazy and it's like a meta game about the hor- the horrors of war it was really famous when it came out i can't remember it's like stanley st- parable no but it's it's, it's like the stanley parable in but set no, in the but it's it's of that thing it's called um i'm sure you've heard of it before um you know what I mean? It, like it's, it's just not Medal str- of Honor. No, it's a straight up shooter like Medal of Honor or Call of Duty, but y- you know, but you're asked to do craziness and um and it, it's actually part of the thing is to get people to question, you know, how easily they're they're um they're doing so. Anyways, they say if you play far enough in Days Gone, that that it becomes like self-consciously satirical of these kinds of games. But of course they say, you know, they're worried that enough people will be interested to get that far. And so there is like a big flip in days gone at some point where it becomes sort of like, you know, the way walking dead kind of flips things Mm -hmm. on its head in some ways in the genre. Um, So that was just something I happened to notice. Um, We should tease mortal Kombat 11 stuff, but we're going to wait for Austin. I think for that, hopefully we get him back on. Yep. Um, Yeah. He's played the game. He has the game. Mm-hmm. So it's much better to have him comment on things um, when he knows the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Um, really quick, uh, a final hardware question for you is one thing we never talk about and we certainly didn't talk about today is RAM. Does RAM really matter at this point, specifically when it comes to gaming consoles? There hasn't been a huge generational difference between DDR3 and DDR4 RAM. So it's hard to, um, like as far as read-write speeds are concerned, yes, DDR4 RAM is the better hardware, but there's only so much you can force your processor. There's only so much you can force your processor to do. And that's what Ram is does is help you read, write for processors. The strength of the processor and the PS five is already strong enough. And so whatever they throw in there is also adequate. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be anything special, mm-hmm. which is why they didn't comment on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, back back in the 360 PS3 days, RAM was crucial because there's only so much you could do with uh, like the, the limitations of the games were there's only so much you could do. For example, right. um, back when Destiny One was on 360, Xbox One, PS3, and PS4, is crazy. the last expansion for the game they could not release on the 360 and the PS3, not because they couldn't develop it but because there was literally not enough RAM mm-hmm. on the old systems for them to load the files necessary they were trying to make the game with. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's unfortunately, it, maybe in the PS4, PS, uh, Xbox One generation, there's, li- there's RAM limitations, mm-hmm. but at this point, RAM is less of a factor now. So that's why they didn't talk about it. And, and to loop it back to the beginning with the SSD thing, you know, I installed my ssd drive a few months ago which was well before 
Destiny. And while it's a small drive and most of my video games are on an external hard drive at this point, I specifically cleared off the entire thing basically for Destiny. By the way, dude, I had to reinstall it, which was not that big of a deal because they save all your information. It was like an hour to do the yeah. whole thing. But it, it because I have two storage devices, it didn't want to install the patch, even though I cleared up even more room. I don't know why it was Oof. acting up. Anyways, it's fine because the bottom line is... Even on my non-PS4 Pro, my normal PS4 with a you know 43-inch decent television, Destiny on the SSD runs amazingly. And I know that, that you know with live service stuff, it also has to do with your internet connection. I have an amazing 5G Verizon internet connection. Nevertheless, it runs amazingly on the SSD. It's the best-looking game I've played. And I think people... Uh, I, I think that... I don't know if that's something they can really advertise, Sony, that is to the mainstream um, that people will even understand because all their computers and phones have it already. But it was going to make a humongous difference on the system. And uh, can we end really quick on the Switch? Um, uh, which is, uh, dude, they were a little disappointed with the, the last thir- uh, quarter of last year, apparently, um, uh, with the Switch profits. They were expecting around $320 million for the three months. Uh, I'm sorry, for the first three months of this year. Um, they got 266, which is about 20 to 25% lower. It was just a bit yep. lower. Um, and operating profit for the year, 2.3 billion versus 3 billion. I mean, that's almost like a 40% drop off, um, uh, potentially. Um, now, Super Smash Brothers has sold 14 million units, which is great, but, you know, going from 3 billion to 2 billion is, is a big drop off. Now, again, Nintendo is always conservative in its estimates and always has built in safeguards, including the $3 trillion, literally, that it has in the bank. So they're not worried. Yeah. Um, and, no, is this just a natural ebb and flow of the system? Um, or, is, or do you think Switch needs to be more, Nintendo needs to be more proactive in the, ne- in the coming years um, to make sure this doesn't happen again? Uh, I, the, the problem with the Switch in the final quarter was they had a lot of game sales, but not a ton of hardware sales. Which is their own. Just because... It's, it's always how they've been, ju- though. Yeah. Ju- just because... Um, well, the, the Switch is still $300. And unfortunately, unlike the previous generations where you had the home console and you had the portable consoles where you could buy you two kids, you buy two 2DSs. There you go. That's $150 for both of your kids being happy, right? Uh, now now you have two kids. Well, now you got to spend $600 to get both kids happy. Yeah. Uh, and so that's part of the issue. And that's why we're seeing... Uh, that's why we're seeing a lot of talk about the smaller, uh, uh, smaller downgraded switch unit to sell for cheaper, mm-hmm. so that you get that household with multiple kids happy. That's the thing that Nintendo has been. That's the thing Nintendo lost mm-hmm. this generation. They won a lot of people over with their awesome portable unit, but they lost a ton of people in the small household family yep. or the, the 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 household with multiple kids family. Yep. So, uh, that that that's probably where a lot a lot of that money was lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in addition, we we are still missing major titles of the Nintendo franchises from the system. Mm-hmm. And because Zelda doesn't sell everybody, Pokemon doesn't sell everybody, especially not this recent Pokemon game. 
So well, Zelda sold a ton, and and Smash has also sold a ton. It's interesting Sp- with all Sma- the Smash, third party titles. Smash doesn't sell everybody. Zelda doesn't sell everybody. No, I understand it's not um, everyone, but I think we're, it, it's, we're still waiting on yeah. Fire Emblem. It's, we're still waiting on Animal if, Crossing. If we're I, still waiting on sure, Metroid. So, sure. but all of those are are traditional Nintendo titles. What I'm saying is, man, it's a credit to Nintendo, but also a possible sign of the problem that their best selling games continue to be their games and not all the third party slash ports that they've gotten they need to sell more of those games and that'll sell more units i think yeah yeah i mean i'm thrilled that the zelda mario metroid pokemon etc dragon um uh whatever franchises fire emblem franchises continue to be great but they need the ports to be more than just ports like i talked about last time like they need to bring in people to do what they're doing with the new zelda game what they did with rabbits and so forth that even if they're taking things like mario and zelda but bringing some outside developers to get some new ideas going brings you know like there wasn't anything like rabbits available other than fire emblem you know in terms of a strategy game on something like that that's awesome you know like we're, we're hoping we'll see something totally new with zelda with the xenoblade people right and so but they have to also maybe even get new IPs that are not established Nintendo IPs that literally do everything you mentioned other than Pokemon goes to the 80s. And Pokemon's what, yeah. mi- mid 90s? So yeah. maybe need some new IPs. Maybe need some new IPs. That's all. Here's, and, and so what will help with that is, and I seriously hope that they're not just releasing a downgraded console. What will seriously help with that is if they make an upgraded unit Switch console. Yep. Because that way, you attract more developers, more studios mm-hmm. to say, hey, we could put some of our games here because the Switch is less powerful than the base Xbox One. We got to remember that, right? Mm-hmm. Hardware-wise, it is less powerful than that. Yeah, but name so a game is the game, so that's all that matters. Yeah, Right, but that excludes 90% of the games that are available to put there, right? Yep. So you got so, so you got to factor that in. There's only so many games you can successfully port to the system. Mm-hmm. Oh, and did that, you ever play? I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, did, did you ever play War? Whatever the strategy game was. Warriors don't yeah. have it yet. I haven't yet, but it got great reviews, and I'm, I'm I can't wait to pick it up. I'm very curious about that because I still believe XCOM, but for sure Warcraft Three Remastered would be amazed. Would be great, a, a no brainer port in my mind. XCOM, I believe, is in development, and Warcraft 3, I mean, they, they released Diablo, so it's very possible. Well, just because unlike the other Warcraft games, unlike all the StarCraft games, Warcraft 3 is a much smaller scale. You're controlling fewer units. They're more powerful. It's, yeah. a, it's an RPG as much as a strategy game. It's perfect for that. Yeah. Um, and would look I, I, great. Know, I know Diablo, yeah. 3, Diablo 3 sold well, so I'm, I'm, I'm very certain. I'm, I'm, I'm certain they'll, I know. they'll, they'll consider it. I know. Right? I, I'm just more a Warcraft Starcraft guy than a Diablo guy, so I want to see Warcraft three. But Diablo, sure, you know, that'd be dope. I, I, I was just saying that because they're both mm-hmm. Blizzard. That's all. Mm-hmm. Well, and okay. Now man. that now that Act, now that Activision's interested in making as much money as possible, ports are mm-hmm. cheaper to make than they are to mm-hmm. than developing new IPs. So, well, um, we'll so to end on news that is the most predictable news you could possibly come up with, Bioware has yet again fallen behind on planned updates for Anthem, including story content and a number of new features. Some of which were supposed to be there day one and are still not there. So well done, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! You're starting uh, to give a round of applause pe- to everybody who's. Sean Murphy up. is the happiest, whatever. It's Sean from. Sean Murray, yeah. Sean Murray's the happiest guy in the world that things like Anthem and, and least, Fallout 76 at, are happening. At least, at least with Sean Murray, 
he learned from his mistakes and admitted that he learned from his mistakes and is continuing to implement the fact that he learned from his mistakes. He's got to so, give that interview, though. He's got to go on some talk show and be like, I screwed up. I know it. And, and he has to fess up to the fact that he fucked up. We know it. He knows it. You got to do it. a few articles. It, maybe in five to ten years when No Man's Sky is probably out of development and he can, he's resting happy from his... Two million dollars a year. I mean, if El- if Ellen can have Ninja on, I'm not sure why she couldn't have him on to, for tell. That's because Ninja is making five hundred grand a month. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Well, and and he he's making five hundred grand a month mm-hmm. by streaming video games, and is kid friendly and is the de- and is donating much of his money to charity all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a huge difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, so um. All right, man. Well, I don't want to tempt fate. We've managed to keep this going. Uh, the, the computer issues, so I want to wrap up. I will say though, dude, um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I got out of practice with Destiny when I was away, and I just haven't had time. I haven't been, literally been on my PlayStation at all. I've been playing Civ like crazy, except when my computer's crashing. And I will say, even though I criticized it for being a historical, playing uh, Saladin and the um, yeah. the Egyptian Mamluks. First of all, I love that no matter where Jerusalem is on the map, you have like an instant connection with them and they're like always on your side and giving you stuff, you know, the whole time, uh, as long as you keep spreading Islam. So I was going for religious victory, which is what Saladin was in real life was trying to do. But then all the fucking Christians started trying to invade my ship. So what do I do? We get one special unit called Mamluks. Okay. And this is a real thing, which was so if you guys either the clones from the clone wars in star wars or more like the first order like like finn's character from the first order they're taken from youth trained to be warriors that was the mamluks that in in egypt during the crusades and so you're able to and their warrior strength dude is movement for uh attack 50 but you can produce them in like one third the time as any other unit and so they were continue to so i basically within like a hundred years was able to produce like a dozen or two dozen mamluks and just invaded and burnt everyone to the ground ended up nuking half the world and winning the space race it was glorious it was hilarious interesting yeah you should see how crazy it gets when you implement eight anime mods of civ leaders well i have i have half of them yeah half of them half of them have nuke effective nukes on turn one well i so, di- i did manage to get the lord of the rings mod in there so if i can keep my yeah. computer working i have i'm playing durin the elves under the mountains verse uh the dwarves on the mountains versus the elves saruman sauron orcs and so forth it's i i, yep. wish, I wish they could do more in terms of changing it but i i, I you know in terms of the modding, but it's Mod, still the mod cool. community is only so limited in what they can do. Yeah, yeah. As they're basically doing it for free. Cool. So, all right, man. Well, thanks for being on. Um, and uh, I want to save this file and bounce it while things are still going well. You guys can check out Ethan at L underscore Fedorable on uh the uh, Twitch. And anything else you want to say, Bizzlecast listeners? Uh, yay, Persona Five. Yeah, woo. Word. <laughs> We'll do more games next time, but we had to do the PS5 this this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. All right, man. Cool. cool. Well, thank you, guys. You guys have been awesome. May the force be with you. We'll be coming back at you soon. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.